What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. It is September 13th, Friday the 13th, so we are hoping we don't get any spooky news in the world of mixed martial arts. I am joined by my co-host to talk about all of the action, Miss Natalie. Hello, Double G. Happy, yeah, happy Friday the 13th. And uh, I'm glad you put it out there. We don't want spooky news today, so <laughs> just just good stuff. Nothing, nothing scary. Are you a believer in, like, the ghosts or spooky stuff happening on days like today? The full moon on Friday the 13th, <laughs> too, which is even crazier. No, man, like, I'm not, except I, I guess just from childhood, like, that stuff sticks in your head, so, like... As soon as I realize it's Friday the 13th or someone tells me, I'm like, ooh, but then I forget about it. But it's like it does have like a little bit of a – it does get a little bit of a reaction out of me before I move on with my day. So, you know, it's a little uh, – there's probably a part of me that, that's worried. I think people get paranoid and then it's like, you know, like, oh, it's a black cat. Then it's like it's supposed to be there. It belongs to the neighbor Stacy. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't panic. <laughs> But um, that's how I feel. It's like, okay, don't like relax. You know, if your mirror falls and you didn't cut yourself, it's not bad luck. If anything, you got lucky. So, you know, I, I, I don't adhere to it. But, you know, if I hear about something happening, I, I perk up a little bit like, oh, well, wouldn't this be interesting? So it, it's fun. It's a fun uh, day to observe, I think, for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, now, sure. We have a ton of MMA uh, I'll be honest, sometimes I wish we could do these Sunday, even though we'd have to do two shows because we don't have news yet because there's just so much, you know, you, you want to talk about it when it's fresh, but certainly a lot of people are still in the conversation. So let's get right into it. UFC 242, um, I think just the second event ever in Abu Dhabi, they said, and the lightweight fight, I don't know if I'd say lived up to the hype, but... Habib Nurmagomedov coming through on expectations, just um, how to put it, just very bluntly, he he kind of just went right through Dustin Poirier, and I think that you can't understate how impressive that is. Everyone knows Dustin's pedigree, everyone has seen Dustin, everyone knows the firepower he brings, etc., etc., and truth be told, this was a very one-sided fight. Um, what was your assessment of the performance by Habib? Yeah, one-sided is right. And uh, Habib just did what what we know he can do, what we expect him to do, sort of like when you watch a Floyd Mayweather fight. Um, it's, it's next level, but it's not surprising because it's how he's, he's uh, beat, beaten everybody else. So... I mean, it was just Khabib, Khabibin. And uh, I feel for Dustin, you know, I think he obviously expected more for himself, from himself, he wanted to win. We all did, especially coming off of the Max Holloway performance. And, uh, you know, we'll never really know what exactly went wrong, but he seemed to tire quickly. Maybe there was an adrenaline dump in round one. Because by the time round two came along and he starts swinging and you think maybe there's a chance, uh, it looked like he gassed. And uh, his, his punches were kind of messy. He looked winded. What I thought was interesting was his conversation with the corner after round one. He seemed surprised at how little space he had against Khabib, which was surprising to me that he would even have this realization um, against an opponent that he's been preparing for for so long. That's the number one thing Khabib doesn't give you is space. He was surprised that he couldn't explode out of positions on the ground against the cage. He had this nice escape move and he tried twice. It didn't work the first time, kind of worked the second time. But just in hearing him talk in the corner and how he, he, he was reacting after, it seemed like they had a almost too narrow, too specific strategy for Khabib. And they needed to be a little bit more open-minded. Because it seemed like whenever, as soon as he tried what he had planned and it didn't work, he didn't have anything else, any other answers. So it was disappointing, but hey, Khabib's just building his legacy. So good for him and 
seems like he's pretty famous out there too. So I'm, I'm sure he's going to be demanding some, uh, some more money pretty soon from the UFC. I mean, he already made six million guaranteed compared to everybody. I mean, are oh. you sure? <laughs> I didn't know no, that. But... I didn't know that. So I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot, but of course, that is the highest number I've ever seen declared. Because I feel like even the last Connor and the the Connor Habib one, the guarantee, quote guaranteed number looked lower, but you know that it was a lot more. Um, you know, when it was all said and done. Uh, let, not to talk about the money, we could get into that uh, in a second before we move on. Um, on the fight, yeah, uh, I think you hit on a lot of good points. I really do think that Dustin, um, I don't want to even say surprise, but uh, th- that's kind of the word I have for it. I think that he felt a little stuck against Habib. I think that, you know, he's in that position where he's defending, but it looked like the reversals, the solutions that they had probably practiced um just didn't seem to be there he felt like he was on top and he felt like he didn't have that you know avenue to explode out to get out to create the space I think you know I got the feeling that he just felt like anywhere he went he was gonna go into something that Habib was setting up to get stuck on bottom or what have you um, to his credit, I felt like even though he was kind of pinned down, he minimized damage. In the second round, he had that big right hand that I think got the attention of Habib. But very bluntly, he did not. Uh, he wasn't able to follow up on it. He wasn't able to catch him. He wasn't able to convert it into significant damage. And we saw once again the toughness of Habib. Um, he's a very awkward striker. I think that he's more heavy-handed than he looks. Um, is he as fluid as a striker as a lot of guys we see? Absolutely not, but the threat of the takedown is what makes his striking so effective. He knows how to pressure you, he knows how to make you, you know, respect it, and at the same time, you know, you you don't want to open up because you feel like that's all he needs, and then you're on bottom, and then you're you're in the grind, and then you're struggling with him, so... Uh, I do think it was just very impressive. I think that Dustin, you know, you watch the post-fight, he has nothing to be ashamed of. I don't think that this loss takes away from, you know, the last year and a half or so that we've seen out of him by far. So I really think that this is just, you know, not so much what happened with Dustin, but just how good is Habib Nurmagomedov. And um, very bluntly, Dustin is more well-rounded than Conor McGregor. Um, not as popular, and I know a lot of the casual fans may, you know, point to that. But let's be honest, you know, this was a guy who's got submissions, who's been grappling, who I would take 10 times out of 10 to outgrapple Conor McGregor. And he hits hard, and he's a great striker. And Habib did this to him, if anything, arguably more so than he did to Conor. So that, to me, just speaks volumes about the level of his performance. So, like you said, all of that, the money, it's good to see the numbers going up. It's That number reflects to me that they do believe Habib can be that, you know, outside of John Jones, he's their next pound-for-pound guy. He is the guy that they're trying to promote as this is the number one fighter today that, you know, has beaten the stars and is so dominant, you know. And that's saying some when you look at Amanda, Henry Cejudo, other guys in the you know, in the picture that they could talk about. So that leaves us with the obvious question. What's next? Natalie, I know what's next. <laughs> you know what's next. Everybody and their mama knows what's next. It says a certain guy, you know, El Kukui. El Kukui. We're not going to, but here's the problem. We all know what has happened several times now when we get our hopes up. So I am instituting a rule today, Friday, September 13th, 2019, on the podcast MMA Daily. Are you ready for it? I'm ready, man. We will not be talking any negative things about this fight. We will not mention what has happened. We will not jinx it. We will not say Beetlejuice three times and cause something to happen as it has so many times. So we are not going to jinx this fight. We are not going to talk about this fight unless something happens. I know what it's next. It is going to be the most exciting lightweight fight we have ever seen. I am hoping it happens this year, if not early next year. 
but we are not going to jinx it by talking about why it's jinxed and it is cursed. <laughs> okay. So we are not going to say anything negative because that's exactly what happens. You say it too many times and you put that negative energy out there. So we know who's next. Tony, Habib, we want to see it. Um, I will get through a bit of, um, what's it called? Housekeeping. When do you think we'll see the fight? Do you think we might see December or do you think they're going to try to do um, the next Vegas show in March 2020 for that fight? Nah, man, I think, I think December, but I don't want to, I'm only, I'm, I'm staying with your, I'm following your cue, only positive energy. So positively saying December and, uh, but we'll take it when we can get it. I agree. I, I do think, you know, I was looking at the calendar. I think someone said it's like 100 days to Christmas. And I was like, it is not that quick. Come on now, guys. But it's true. So that is a quick turnaround. You know, if he wants a little bit of a break, uh, I'm not, the fight may not have been grueling, but the training camp probably was for Poirier. That's, I think it's a lot on Habib, Tony, um, for all, all the signs we've gotten is that he's ready to go. So I don't think it's as much of a damage thing as much as rest and recuperation on that one. But like I said, we're not, we're not jinxing this fight. We are not saying nothing. This fight is going to happen. That's all I'm going to say about that. And yes, we are excited. Level 10 for this fight. Do you, are you with me on that one? I'm with you. Level 10, excited, positive energy, and that's it. <laughs> Good. That's all we, that's all we need to say. It's going to sell itself. Not going to be, you know, we will take a deep breath when they're actually inside the cage and Bruce Buffer is talking. Okay. So moving on, uh, for a little bit of the card, um, very odd, but you know, there's some good stuff going on. Um, uh, the Paul Felder Barbosa fight was good if you watched it. Um, uh, Joanne Calderwood, great performance over Andrea Lee, makes the flyweight picture a little more interesting. Um, so a lot of good stuff from Abu Dhabi. Uh, I'll be honest, the one thing that I was a little shocked, I really expected more of an epic walkout from Habib. And part of that, I think, is his personal... Uh, I don't want to call it taste, just his style. He's not the kind of guy to come out like riding an elephant or something extravagant. <laughs> but when you consider how, you know, this was booked with him in mind, right? I felt like there was, I expected a little more. I wanted to get your take on that. Like, what did you think of the walkout and the pomp and circumstance for this fight? Yeah, there really wasn't any, and that's a good point. And the only thing that struck me when he walked out and maybe it's the song he always comes out to, but I never paid attention. It was like a, to me, it was just like some random song. I was like, Oh, okay. This is interesting. Um, but yeah, considering that they built this whole tent for, for him, that they wanted him to be the main event in Abu Dhabi, uh, you know, a camel would have been cool. An elephant, you know, something, <laughs> something would have been nice. Like um, a trained Eagle. Flying out and landing yeah, on the side of the cage. Evil, exactly. <laughs> that would have been super cool. Um, but I don't know how much of, you know, the personality of the fighters has been a little bit squashed since the Reebok deal. So, you know, would they, <laughs> I was about to make a stupid joke. Would they have made the camel walk out in a Reebok jersey? Probably, uh, <laughs> probably not. But it's just, it's just because I'm still a little bummed about how they can't show as much personality. So, you know, there's some like Andrage, uh, Jessica Andrage, they let her walk out in the headdress and stuff. And Khabib obviously wears his hat. Um, but, but maybe, I don't know, maybe they're not even given an opportunity to, maybe they're just told from the offset, you just have to walk out and all you can do is pick your music and we'll let you wear a hat. You know, not like Bellator where like Ali Malay does these amazing walkouts. You know, I just don't even know if they have an opportunity, if they're even permitted to do that kind of stuff. They should. The UFC, if they were smart, should let them, especially for this event, which you point out correctly. But, I mean, whatever. It is what it is. For the record, I think you could have a um, Reebok-branded saddle for the camel. I think yeah, that that's, yeah. I feel like that's something that's well within the realm of possibility. Uh, yeah, and once again, I think it's his personality. Habib has never been... Like I said, that guy, but I just kind of, I expected a little more. And um, the, 
you know, to go very pop culture, I've seen the pictures of like, you know, I saw the Nick Jonas wedding to Priyanka Chopra and I was like, I was expecting him half to walk out looking like a prince to his fight. You know, I yeah. felt like that's what we were going to see. But um, once again, I get it. You know, it's a, it's a style. It's kind of like how they structure their show. So, but yeah, every now and then exceptions are made. My thing was, I thought they might do something for this one. I was a little surprised that they didn't. So, but overall, a good night of fights. The co-main event really delivered on the action. If the main event, you were just kind of... Uh, given the Habib showcase. So a good night for Abu Dhabi. And from what we've been hearing, they are planning to have some good, uh, um, bring some more events to Abu Dhabi, not just for the year, but like a almost their international fight week, which I think is pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to that very much. So um, as the years roll on for their deal, Natalie. So that was the day match. We had a nightcap. In the world of MMA, Bellator 226 from San Jose. And really, it, so Featherweight Tournament gets underway. You and I are excited because we're probably going to talk to a lot of these guys coming up this month. But the main event, Ryan Bader, Czech Congo, starts out great for Ryan, ends in controversy. I think this is the second one in a row that ends this way with some weird stuff going on. So not the best luck for Bellator, but... What was your assessment of the fight? Furthermore, your assessment of the finish. Yeah, it's just strange, man. And yeah, I feel for Bellator. They had that, that um, Mitch, well, with Mitrion, they've had two weird ones, right? The groin one first with Sergey, and then the weird mouthpiece thing, and then this, and Ryan Bader's their big star, the double champ. He was winning the fight, no denying that. And, um, you know, we I don't know. Do you want to get it straight into the, the, hit, the incident? Hit, yeah. Hit me with it. Hit me with okay, it. Okay, so so in my opinion, I'll I'll say this. When I watched it on fight night, just from my TV, so sitting at a at a you know at a certain distance from the TV on my sofa, I did think actually that the thumb accidentally went into the eye of Czech Congo. Um I wished that Congo had utilized the five minutes he's allotted just to see if anything improved before telling the doctor I can't see and the fight gets called. Very disappointing. However, rewatch the fight of the clip of the, of the supposed eye poke. I'm going to tell you right now, to me, 100%, that is not an eye poke. I watched it a few times. I froze the, the image. Bader's thumb was pressed against Congo's nostril. And when he's, his nose is being smushed upward, Congo reacts as if, Something happened to his eye. He puts his finger on his eyelid, and the ref stops the fight. He didn't get poked in the eye. To me, 100%, that did not happen. I'm trying to make an excuse for him and say, you know, he did get hit in the eye. He got punched in the eye. Ray Bader hit him a couple of times, or more than, more than a couple of times. So maybe his eye was injured, and the nose being pushed upward caused pain in the eye socket. You know, that's possible. But 100%, the man was not poked in the eye. It sucks for Vader. It sucks for the fans who paid good money to watch the fight in person. And that's it. I, I don't think they should give him a rematch. I almost wish it wasn't a no contest. Vader should just get the win. And he's going back down to light heavyweight, it seems, because he's left that division um, for a little bit now. So he's just got to move on with his life. But it was a bummer. How, how did you see it? Eye poke or no eye poke? Um, I saw it, no eye poke. Um, how did Congo's eye get puffy? I feel like that was a little more, uh, mysterious, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, Bader was winning. Uh, when I watched the replay, that's, it, it hits the nose. Now, mind you, Congo's face isn't like the rest of his body. He has a normal size head like we all do. Um, from the nose to your eye isn't, you know, a mile away, but I really do feel like um, the replay in question shows the nose. And once again, look, I don't know if maybe he was reacting to something that happened earlier and he's just in the battle and they're making it seem like he's reacting to the nose poke, but the actual replay doesn't show anything happening to the eye when you watch it slow-mo, when you watch it uh, zoomed in a bit. And I agree with you on that one. Uh, to me... 
I feel like Ryan Bader was on his way to finishing this one. I didn't see a Pat Berry finish about to happen for Congo. I didn't see that um, miracle comeback from the Jaws of Defeat. I felt like Ryan was just going to probably smother him and ground and pound to a victory very soon. Um, so I, it's tough because I really do feel like um, another minute, you probably are talking about Ryan Bader. Once again, you know, showing why he's one of the best guys in Bellator, blah, blah, blah. Instead, we have this controversy. I am with you, and as much as it sucks for the record and the circumstance, if you were a paying customer, if you stayed up to watch that last hour of MMA after everything that happened earlier in Abu Dhabi, you probably feel, you probably feel robbed, and rightfully so. But um, for myself, when I look at the situation... I just want them to move on. I want Ryan Bader to fight the winner of Musasi and Machida at 205. Um, if he's still there, maybe they do Vitaly Minikov back at heavyweight. Maybe they look at a 205 tournament and they set up something with Congo and everything in the interim at heavyweight. But all I know is I'm ready for stuff to kind of move along. And I feel like this was the worst thing that could have happened toward doing that. So, um, uh, yeah, rematch and all that I'm not uh, interested in. I will ask you, though, somebody who made this more complicated, Rampage Jackson. Oh, what would you think of all that that happened? That was random. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, I was, like, ready to move on from fighting for, my, for that night, you know, go put it on a ancient aliens or something and uh <laughs> before i could do it there's a scuffle and um you know i would like to know how rampage feels about it now like someone has to have or he has to have seen it on his own the footage and seen that he was not poked and not only was it not an accidental eye poke there wasn't an eye poke at all and uh is he still is he still all fired up and and feeling like he needs revenge for his friend he needs to avenge his friend's um his friend's <laughs> loss so Honestly, it doesn't matter though. Rampage is still a name, so if they need a heavyweight opponent for for Bader when uh, he's done defending at 205, sure, why not? It, it's it's uh, it's fun and it'll be a good a good win for Bader because I think he'll win, so he can say he also beat Rampage, and uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. It's just kind of funny because, like I said, if he hasn't gone back to watch that fight that replay he should and maybe just calm down a little bit i mean to me um uh i get what rampage is trying to do you're trying to stick up for your boy and i feel like rampage is the kind of guy to say that stuff even if you dominate and win by decision so i i didn't read too much into it i think that he tried to catch a uh, Bader at the right time. I think that when Ryan kind of held, stood his ground, you know, Rampage is a guy whose natural reaction is to square up and, you know, uh, fight fire with fire. So I think that that's all that happened. I think that Rampage is just sticking up for Congo. It didn't make me, oh, now we got to see Ryan Bader, Rampage Jackson too. Um, I didn't say all that. I feel like they are in two different, uh, directions i think that uh rampage wants to only fight guys who bang with him at this stage of his career ryan bader is not about to do that for the sake of entertainment so that's where i stand on that one i think that they are going in two different directions i think the rampage um stuck up for his guy whether or not that was uh necessary when you watch the replay i think is up for interpretation but that's all that was uh they felt the need to square up and the last thing you want to do as a cage fighter inside a cage is look like you're, you know, punking out. So I think that that's exactly what we saw. Um, yeah, fair enough. Furthermore, uh, there was a lot of stuff in the featherweight Grand Prix. Adam Borix, guys like that, uh, having great performances. I will say that now that we have a couple more players, it makes me very interested to watch the drawing that they're going to do. Um, for the uh, featherweight Grand Prix at the end of the month. I think that it's going to be interesting when you have guys like former champion Daniel Strauss getting bounced out of the tournament. I think that that makes it, you know, the big names are not a shoe in You have a lot of guys with experience who are now out of the running. 
that makes it interesting to me. So I think that it's going to be something to watch. I'm very interested, like everybody, I think AJ McKee and Pitbull making sure they win their fights because if they're bounced out early, this tournament suddenly feels very wide open. So I think that that's going to be something to watch in this tournament. Yeah, it was a, it was a actually competitive, exciting. There was some surprising wins, at least for me. Daniel Strauss, I thought, you know, didn't expect him to lose, but um, Adam Boric's looking pretty good. So yeah, I'm looking forward to the next round and then how it shakes out. The Bellator's tournaments, you know, this is the third one I think, right? They've yeah. all been really exciting. You know, it's just very smart marketing. And the fighters get excited. The fans get excited. You know, I, I love how creative and open-minded they are at Bellator. Obviously, tournament is not a new idea, but they're just embracing it and, and pushing it in really smart ways. Yeah, I think that they're making it interesting. The spacing, I think, is the only thing. Is like, you know, when you talk about tournament, you kind of want these things to move along a lot faster. So Definitely. that's my one thing about it is that, like last year, the heavyweight tournament, and it's like, what was it, nine months or like six months between rounds? And I'm like, I'm not exactly still fired up about it. You know what That's I mean? True. But it took forever. And like, and the welterweight one too, it's like, oh, it's not over yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, even though they're making great matchups, um, you get really excited at the front end when you see the, the roster of the tournament participants. But yeah, it's a little bit of a, a of a bummer to have to wait as long as we do because, of course, tournament, you hear tournament, and mostly you think one day, which is cool. I was reading, um, there's an article in The Athletic about Shannon Knapp over at Invicta, yep. and she, she was, she was uh, talking about how, for her, you know, tournaments, like, it's only really exciting if it all happens in one day, and that's what she's still doing over there, and I wish that some of these bigger promotions would uh, would do that, too. I mean, PFL, I think, in the end, right? Was yeah. it the last they do it? Um, but yeah, man, not that, you know, it's riskier for the fighters and all that stuff, but it's so fun to have these guys have to turn around fight after fight in one day. So, oh, well. I mean, yeah, that's just the nature of the game. But I'd also like to say, like, look at other tournaments. March Madness is only one month also. I True. Mean, you know, people kind of instant gratification. You know what I mean? Attention spans and all that. <laughs> So, you know, that's that's my one thing about the tournament. Sometimes it's like, not really. Can we get through this already? I'm, I'm ready for the champion now. You know, we've, we've seen a lot. We've been patient. Anyway, moving on. This fight is one everybody can't wait for. And um, a lot of different angles to talk about it. The new BMF title will be on the line. Uh, Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, MSG, November 2nd. It is the first non-title pay-per-view event for the UFC since 2016, which was Conor and Diaz 2, ironically. Um, let's talk about it. I think everyone wanted to see this fight. They didn't care how, where, what weight class. They were just ready to watch these two guys go at it. Um, I think it comes at a great time. I think that uh, the Anaheim event proved the popularity of Nate Diaz in terms of moving the needle on pay-per-view. I think that Jorge, at this time of his career, couldn't be at a bigger streak. Um, he couldn't be making more noise. Um, there's just a lot of reason to be excited about this fight. People, you know, this is the fight that people would illegally stream. You know, that's how good. People will go out of their way on a Saturday, risk a bad, you know, connection on the internet, put viruses on your computer, just because they want to watch this fight. That is how big it is, I think, to a lot of people, so... I think it it works. It makes sense. My question is that: Do you think this is a bigger fight than, let's say, Kamaru and Colby? Just overall, doesn't matter. MSG, Washington, wherever. Just a bigger fight in general that people are more excited for. Yeah, man, one hundred percent, no question. Uh, you mentioned needle mover. I feel Usman is not a needle mover, despite that dominant win over Tyron Woodley, despite being the champion. Colby's isolating himself more and more, especially in the last two weeks with the persona that he's he's hawking. Is Colby Usman a good fight? Yeah, and, and we'll see it one day. But to me, like Diaz Masvidal, come on. 
that's it's something I had never even considered, frankly, until Diaz put it out there. And it's like, oh, my God, it makes perfect sense. Everything came together. Masvidal had his career resurgence. Diaz came back after three years. He beat up Pettis. It's just too perfect. You couldn't have scripted it. Um, yeah, for me, it's like trying to compare, like, uh, you know, Colby Usman would be like Salisbury steak. And <laughs> and Diaz, uh, Masvidal is like filet mignon or like a, you know, I don't know, bigger, tougher, fancy steak. I don't even know my steaks. But it's, <laughs> it's like that. Like, the, you know, same cow, but not even not even close to being the same quality. Yeah, uh, to me, I think that um, if people are just more excited. I think at the end of the day, uh, Diaz gets you invested in his fights. Uh, Jorge has gotten you invested. I think that people are kind of right in the train. And um, very bluntly, when it comes to, you know, especially American MMA, I know there's a lot of talk about it, but when you talk about selling a pay-per-view, and WWE does this very well, you got to get people invested. You got to make people want to see you lose or want to see you kick some butt, right? Diaz does that. Jorge does that. Especially after the Askren fight, people kind of want to um, they wanted to see something get someone get served for everything that they had said and everything they wanted to back up, right? That's Jorge's deal. He's always fought, you know, very exciting guy even if the numbers really haven't reflected it over the years um to bring it and that's what makes him fun. That's why he's uh, pretty popular right now. And to be honest, Nate Diaz had the same issue. Nate, for as popular and as fun as he was, he didn't really um, get over the hump until he had his breakout with Conor McGregor and everything Conor said to him. And so I think as a pay-per-view, that's where we're at now. And look, people forget, Nate struggled with the best of the best. He was the guy who lost a very clear decision in his one fight for the title. You know, this is a guy who needed to get there, and he kind of needed that right, I guess, storm to push him. And I feel like Jorge might even be in the same position now if he beats uh, Diaz. So I think this fight, just in general, people are more excited for. I would say Kamaru is still the best welterweight right now after beating a guy like uh, Tyron Woodley the way he did. After his win streak, I would say the Colby Covington fight is still interesting. But when you talk about people who are going to get you invested, this is exactly why the fight was made. Non-title, um, headlining a pay-per-view, etc., etc. So um, it, Madison Square Garden, just period. So I think it just makes sense all around. This is going to be the fight more excited about. Kamaru may be the better fighter. Right now, until one of the other guys proves it. But at the end of the day, people know who they want to see. And it's going to be these two guys. And there's no two ways about it. There's no wiggle room there, if you ask me. Now, I want yeah, to... no wiggle room. Yeah, I want to give you another angle. Um, they're talking about the BMF title. Verbally, that's what they're fighting for. I'm getting the impression that Dana White is making some sort of hardware for this special event. And I don't know if he's just... A figure of speech or if he's actually planning to give them something in the cage when they win what are your thoughts on this is are they going to get hardware or is this just the bragging rights title i think they're actually getting a belt um i'll say you know if you if you believe in um what ariel Hawani says anyway they're, they're the belts there's a belt being made he was um sort of took taking issue with that news uh, on his uh podcast um, because he felt like this is like um, the two outsiders, the non-corporate guys, and if they're going to have their own belt, their own BMF belt, that, that it shouldn't be the UFC, shouldn't be Big Brother making it for you. Like, they should make it themselves. I don't agree with that. I don't, you know, doesn't, I don't care who makes it. For, you know, Diaz and Masvidal shouldn't have to pay for the belt. But, uh, yeah, it's they're making a belt. I hope it looks cool. And uh, it's kind of strange. The, the, the story I, that I've heard anyway is that it's a one-off. There's not going to be a defense of the BMF belt. Yeah. But um, surprising, like, creative move by the UFC. I, it's not something I would have expected, especially in this day and age, uh, where they are now. I, I like it. I think it's fun. But I think also... Come fight night when that belt gets presented, it, it could be a little weird. I don't know. 
Like it's almost better for them just to say they're the, the BMF champ than to actually have the belt, uh, to have a belt that says they are. But, um, Hey man, if they sell it at Toys R Us or sorry, Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore. If they sell it at Target, I, I might buy it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel like that might be a Costco belt, you know, yeah, they put yeah, it with all the exp- for children. <laughs> yeah. They put it with their expensive stuff. um i don't know if i'm invested in a bff bmf belt maybe a nice bmf trophy wouldn't be a bad idea um but when you talk about the belt i um uh to play the other side of the coin i mean are interim titles really you know any different i mean not really so if you're talking about hey this is the number one contender belt which it arguably will be i mean you can't tell me the winner of that one shouldn't fight uh the winner of Kamaru Colby, um, then what's wrong with it? I think that it's like, oh, we'll treat it like an interim title, you know, but we're going to give it a catchy name to sell, you know, tickets. I'm good with that. That's a slippery slope because then there's a lot of fights that should be the BMF belt, the this belt, the Kung Fu belt, the Super Grappler belt, pick something. That's a very slippery slope, but... I will say this, those kinds of fights, even though the action is there, the personalities always get pay-per-view over the top, right? And that is something that this fight has that, like, look, Cowboy and Gaethje that we'll talk about, just as exciting, if you ask me, not necessarily invested in the characters the same way. And I think that's the difference. And so... If they want to treat it special for one night, I mean, we keep asking them to do something different. I'll I'll go with it. I don't mind. But uh, yeah, I, the impression I'm getting is some special hardware is being made, and um, a one-off. I think that's as it should be. Thankfully, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you about that either. I think that makes it a little more streamlined. And it also, incentive. You get the fans invested like these guys will. Maybe they'll make you a special title if you're waiting for the real championship. <laughs> I'm good with it. Yeah, I want the BFF belt. Be- <laughs> Is that the one for you and I to get? That's it. That's our belt. <laughs> Aww. You're my BFF too. Thank you. It's very sweet. I appreciate it. Anyway, but yeah, so look, that one's going to be exciting. Um, very interesting. Before we move on, they just announced today that Canelo and Sergey Kovalev are fighting that same night in Vegas. Does that affect the pay-per-view of the UFC? Yes or no? You know what, man? I think it kind of does. It's going to be, you know, any, like, you're talking about Canelo Alvarez, right? Yep. If it was Is any there another fighter, Canelo? Sorry? <laughs> Is there another Canelo? Yeah, no, just right, teasing. exactly. Just teasing. And when you're talking about a specific demographic of fight fans, we got a lot of cross, cross-mogination there. If you, if you make a Venn diagram of fans that are, you know, Nate Diaz and Canelo Alvarez fans, there's a, there's a lot of crossover. So, um, yeah, if I'm UFC, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit bummed out, but it's probably, um, it's probably payback from Oscar De La Hoya for when, uh, <laughs> for when UFC and Mayweather put on the Conor McGregor Mayweather fight like a month before Canelo's fight. And, uh, you know, the rumor was that De La Hoya was a little miffed because it was going to eat into his pay-per-view numbers. Well, this is a direct hit. This, is a, this is a, to me, is total retaliation. Now, the thing is that we already knew Canelo was going to fight in November um, a while ago. It's the opponent, though, that makes it such a much bigger fight than it would have been. Yeah, um, not to get too far into boxing, but the Kovalev fight is arguably the biggest one he's had since Triple It is the biggest one since Triple G. Yeah. Uh, it's a whole nother bag of worms for a guy like Canelo. Um, but on the numbers side, uh, with Anthony Joshua losing, very bluntly, I don't think there's a question that Canelo is the number one attraction in boxing right now in terms of someone people know. And look, yes, people know about Loma, Mikey Garcia, Crawford, Spence Jr. Every, there's a lot of good guys who kick ass over there. But, you know, you know who's the main attraction, and it's Canelo, and Quite frankly, they're going to be running at the exact same time at night. It's not going to be a UFC Bellator split like Saturday. So that makes it very interesting because at the end of the day, you know, you got to pick one 
we know how fans work. They find uh, <clears throat> another way to stream the other. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but, you know, the, main, the big screen only has one fight at a time, right? Yep. And uh, it, Canelo is the best. Nate and Jorge are fighting for, you know, it's a different animal. Plain and simple. You know what you're getting. And it's, that's not to say it's not as exciting, but they are up against some stiff competition because, yeah, he is the guy people tune in for. And that is a great fight for people in the know. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, once again, that raises the question, would a championship help that on the card for UFC? I can't say that they have one available right now, but now that becomes a talking point for sure. Man, I, yeah, I can't think of who would be who would be big enough to take eyeballs off of specifically Canelo versus Kovalev, not Canelo versus whoever, but that specific matchup. Uh, I, it would be hard for me to think of any championship fight at UFC that would take away from that. Uh, maybe John Jones, uh, maybe, but those are totally different. You know, you saw fight fans, but different different market, different different demographic. Excuse me. What I will say is Nate and Jorge, I think that'll be a probably more exciting fight. These guys are going to be going back and forth. It's going to be more of a scrap. But the consequences, um, the the what it means for the legacy of Canelo is so much bigger. Like, there's just so much more at stake. If Canelo beats Kovalev, going up two weight classes, uh, that's a much bigger story ultimately than than Diaz Masvidal for a oh, for a fake funny belt. Yeah, a, not for nothing. Um, I don't see Canelo Kovalev ending quickly with who Canelo is and who uh, Sergey is at the end of the day. I can see uh, Masvidal Diaz ending in like three minutes, you know, by beatdown very quick. And quite bluntly, when you pay for a pay-per-view, if it ends in under a minute, uh, you know... Like, you pay for the action, but every now and then, that could take the wind out of your sails. A little bit, yeah. I mean, you got people who crack open that beer expecting, you know, a full 25 minutes, and next thing you know, oh, I haven't had the sip yet. Yeah, if you if you look down at your phone, you might miss it all. For real, so why you got... <laughs> I thought we were BFS, so you got to keep bringing that up. <laughs> I don't have the belt yet. <laughs> I hate you, Natalie. <laughs> No, it's um, <clears throat> it's sad, but it's true. But no, um, for the record, yeah, I mean that's when you pe when you're talking about getting people to open their wallet, that's something you got to talk about. Um, yeah. Moving on, we got a lot more going on. Uh, we'll have plenty to talk about with the BMF belt, but Jacare versus Jan Blahovic to headline UFC Sao Paulo November sixteenth, so a little over a week after the. BMF title, Jacare, the loss to Jack Hermanson at 185 back in April. Blahovich is coming off the knockout over Luke Rockhold in July. I don't want to talk about this yet. If Jan Blahovich is off the table, who's fighting John Jones? Well, I actually think that this, when I saw this news, I, I immediately thought, okay, Jones is getting Stipe at heavyweight. That was my immediate reaction. I don't think he would be tweeting about big news if his next opponent was, you know, one of these other light heavyweights that are that are already booked in a fight, Reyes, Weidman, uh, or the other two. So I uh, I think as soon as DC lost his heavyweight belt, John Jones was on the horn asking for a Stipe fight. I think he knows how much it's going to bum DC out to for bum DC to for Jones to end up in the in the end up on top in the heavyweight division as well. So that is really what I think is happening. But uh, I don't know. Maybe you know Maybe you know something else or you got a hunch about something else. How do you see it? Um, a few angles. I think that uh, John Jones was saying he's returning in December. If it's to fight Stipe, he's not fighting him until March or maybe even 4th of July next year, plain and simple. Um, he's going to take time to bulk up. I think he feels like he was busy enough. I think he feels like maybe uh, the Dominic Reyes, the Johnny Walkers of the world need a little more seasoning before they're the big pay-per-view event for him to stay at 205 for a minute. That's my first uh, instinct. 
Secondly, he's had a busy year. Maybe he wants to see who looks better between the Corey Anderson, Johnny Walker, Dominic Reyes, Chris Weidman. That's an option. But my first thought was, yeah, he wants to stick it to DC and he wants to go out there and say, you know what? I want to fight the best heavyweight the UFC has ever seen and, you know, do all that jazz and promote it that way. It's a big fight. Jones, Stipe, um, easily. So that was my first thought. But um, either way, I think I see John Jones taking a break. We didn't talk about this much with the BMF one, but the idea of all the belts being headlined on a pay-per-view, uh, um, that's kind of changing a little bit. So, for example, we talked about Kamaru Kobe. Kobe, and you're not going to hear me say this often, he had a brilliant statement about defending, you know, or not defending, sorry, you know, now I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but fighting Kamaru at the Washington, D.C. ESPN network card. That's a fantastic idea. And if you're still trying to see Kamaru before the end of the year, that's a scheduled thing. Um, I think it's brilliant because uh, the December pay-per-view already has Amanda and Jermaine. If you're going to put Habib and Tony there, they're not also about to add John Jones... Stipe or John Jones, anybody, for example. So I do think that schedule-wise, this all indicates a little bit of a break for John, and we see him probably first quarter 2020. So that opens the door. If he wants to bulk up, take his time, fight Stipe, it's there. If he wants to wait for the more appealing winner of Weidman Reyes, Walker Anderson, it's there. But I think plain and simple, it means that we are not going to see John Jones this year. And um, that was my first instinct about that. Um, do you have anything else to add on that? Or do you think we're going to see, uh, or do you want to go straight into the fight? No, I think, I, I mean, yeah, you, you, you point out some strong uh, factors there um, with December. So, yeah, I guess he does need time to bulk up. I didn't really think about that. But I do think he still wants us to get to D.C., so that might still be his next fight, even if it is in 2020. But, um, but yeah, going back to Colby, he did mention that Washington, D.C., and it's, you know, sometimes he has he has smart ideas that make sense. That one makes sense. UFC's already put just recently two non, um, actually two championship fights off of pay-per-view, so let's let's do another one. And... Not that I'm interested in seeing them, but I understand why it, it it is a big deal and it gets a lot of attention and makes a lot of noise. But yeah, if it's in D.C., not only would he get the Trump sons, but he might get Mr. President. And, uh, you know, that's a big coup, frankly, whether you like the politics or not. So if UFC is listening, that is the, the smartest move they can make right now with uh, Colby Usman. Oh, they got to be thinking about it. You got to think it's on their radar. How could it not be? Um, yeah. I mean, if you could see Obama at a basketball game in D.C., you could see Trump at UFC, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, look, let's not forget, Dana White was one of the many speakers at the uh, Republican convention there. So the, oh, yeah. the relationship is still, is still um, I don't know about strong, but it's still solid. He's got that pull. He's got that yeah, pool. Yeah, he's got the pool. He was in the White House with Colby. I mean, clearly there's there's communication there. Yeah. So. The, um, talking about uh, Jan and Jacare, um, I think that Jan is not given the credit he deserves. I think this is a very great matchup for him. I think that Jacare, his size at 185, similar to Rockhold's success, uh, is a very big part of why he had, he was so successful. Um, I think that Jan is a tough matchup. I think that obviously the ground, it's hard to pick against Jacare, but I think that Jan has a lot of weapons too. It is a dangerous fight if uh, Jacare can't get it to the ground because I don't know if his power translates to 205 like it does to 185. I think that he's just built that way that his explosiveness, it really matters at 185, not as much with the bigger athletes at 205. So... That's my biggest thing is that the power, that's the biggest question. I don't think he's about to turn into a guy who's on the bike a lot, um, moving up to 205 and being faster. Yeah, my fear with this matchup is that they're just feeding Jan another another middleweight to to knock out. 
Um, I love Jacare. He's a smarter fighter than than Rockhold. He has the ground advantage. Um, so I, I'd like to see a competitive fight, but it you know it worries me a little bit just because I want Jacare. He was so close, and he had that loss at, at you know middleweight, and now he's trying to res- have a resurgence at this weight class. But as we've seen recently, going up a weight class is more difficult than than it than we think it should be. It takes a while to adjust to the extra bulk, to to learn how to move, not just in training, but in actual fight night, how to move with your with your new body, how to use your power, how to be efficient. So a lot of factors here. And, uh, you know, again, just hope for a competitive matchup so it's not just a blowout. I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah, I agree too. Um, and, and once again, though, I think there's a big opportunity for Jacare. He's clearly trying to reinvigorate his career and um, not a bad move because he's a very talented fighter. So uh, I'm with the idea. I'm all for it. Let's go back to New York. I feel like that's making us very excited, Natalie. Let's talk about <laughs> another matchup that they announced recently. Wonderboy Thompson, Vicente Luque at UFC 244. Um, this is going to be Wonderboy's first fight back since the Anthony Pettis loss in March. Luque has only lost twice in 12 fights in the UFC. Six-fight win streak. What are your thoughts on this matchup? So, you know, I love me some Wonder Boy, but I'm worried for Wonder Boy in this matchup. After the Pettis knockout, okay, he was winning that fight handily, but he got he got bounced hard off the canvas there with that Superman punch. The good news for me is that Wonder Boy is really positive. So I don't think that loss, that knockout to Pettis is going to make him any more gun-shy than he actually already tends to be when he fights dangerous strikers. So we know he's overly cautious in these types of matchups. We saw it with Tyron Woodley. But in this case, I think it's going to work in his favor because he's a counter-striker. Luque's kind of push-forward kind of guy. So hopefully, as Luque is pushing forward... Wonderboy's able to piece him up with some nice counter punches round by round. So I see a light at the end of the tunnel for Pettis, but it, it is a worrisome matchup for me just because of how powerful and how ferocious Luke is. And he's 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 climbing and he can see that, you know, title shot is is closer than it's ever been. Wonderboy's a big name, so he's gonna be coming out for blood. Wonderboy wants redemption. It's a it's a it's a really good fight. Yeah, to me, it's the same thing. Um, I think that um, Wonderboy, I, I get why people are maybe not feeling as hyped up. It has been a tough run recently. But you got to remember, this is also the guy who, you know, dismantled the BMF title challenger in Masvidal not too long ago. Yeah. He's a guy who, you know, he's got a lot of fight left in him. And I think that, you know, this is another fight. You win this one, you look good. He's still right there. He's still, you know, in contention. You know, these guys are going to lose, right? You know, someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. It sets up more fights, you know. Imagine, you know, him versus the loser, Kamaru and Colby. That's another good fight. He's still, you know, there's a lot of guys at 170. Ponzinibbio's still in there. Um, The the Leech just uh, picked up a big one. There's a lot of options for him. Um, stylistically, Vicente Luque, the aggression, uh, Wonderboy, the technique. I think that this is going to be a big test of, you know, does Wonderboy shake up things or does he feel like, nah, you know, I was winning that fight, just a little sharper, hands up a little higher. Um, uh, I'm still going to be me and do my thing. I think that's the bigger question going into this one. And if you're Luque, you've been wanting a breakout fight. This is it. I think that that really propels him into that conversation at 170. Yeah, this is definitely his breakout opportunity for sure. Yeah, so, you know, it, a lot of good stuff. Um, obviously, November shaping up. I think everyone is excited about that. Um, we have October. We have the Adesanya Whitaker. I am ready for that. They announced some other stuff. JDS, um, Volkov in Russia. That's going to be fun. Um, JDS, by the way, lighten it up on Dancing with the Stars. I'm impressed. Good for you. No, man. Whenever we got the news about it, you asked me how he was going to do. And I was like, oh, he's going to do great. You know, he's, he's, um, I think he's, he's got some good hip movement, hip action there, you know, from just based on how he fights. But 
I don't know. I only have, I've only seen the first performance and I was not, uh, I was not too impressed. So I don't know how he's doing now. I should probably check out to see what his, uh, his latest dance was like, but I, I expected more from him. I thought he'd have a little more, uh, a little more, uh, style on the dance floor. I gotta say. Uh, I'm gonna let you in. One of my guilty pleasures is dancing with the stars. And let me tell you something. Having fun is half that battle, man. I That's think, true. And I think he's out there living his best life, enjoying it. He doesn't have to get punched in the face. I think he is enjoying his life out there. He definitely looked happy. I'm a, I'm a fan of the show, too, although I was more of an early, uh, early fan. So, like, you know, like the first five seasons, I still think Mario Lopez should have won his year. <laughs> um, he was excellent. You know, the, the Drew Lachey, uh, Emmett Smith years, that, that was my, uh, my time to be watching the show. But, yeah, he was smiling a lot. He was having fun. So, Did you watch I, the Paige Van Sant season? I didn't. I was already not watching at that point, but I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm sure she killed it. Like, she already has a dance background. She did all right. I, ironically, like, I took a bit of a break, and, like, look what happens. It's the freaking most famous MMA fighter ever to do the dang show. Yeah. Um, but um, she did okay. I watched the videos, you know, but obviously she killed it. Um, did she win? No, she was runner-up. But mind you, the other guy was not also a fantastic dancer. He was also deaf. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She was never going to win that. <laughs> No offense to that fine gentleman, whoever he is, but but I do really, really, um, how do I say this? I would I would like I only I'm disappointed when the person who's the best dancer doesn't win. I mean, I um, mean, yeah, if she was a little better. It wasn't by a lot. That okay, had okay. moves. He had moves. Okay, he had moves. I'm All not right. gonna hate on him. You know, <laughs> but when you add the icing on the cake, you know how this game works, guys. Yeah. She um, she knew from the start. She she okay. knew she wasn't going to beat him. <laughs> she, she won in our hearts. That's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on, we do have a fight night. This is a good television. You see Vancouver. They go back to Canada. Canada getting a lot of good fights this summer. I'm jealous. Donald <laughs> Cerrone, Justin Gaethje, the uh, interim BMF title. If you ask me, what do you think? I mean, just go into it. Have at it. How does this firefight go down? Yeah, man, it's a thrilling fight. And yeah, I was exactly what I was thinking is the original BMF, right? Cowboy Cerrone. We know he's had his BMF ranch for a hundred years already. And, you know, nice of him to say that it doesn't matter that these guys are, are sort of usurping the title that he's been carrying uh, for a long time. He's a nice, he's a nice man for saying that. Cause I'm sure part of him was like, what the F you know, that's my title. That's me. I've been that forever. But in any case. Hey, hey what the F? I'm the BF. I'm the BMF. <laughs> yeah, exactly. WTF. I'm the BMF. Um, but, uh, I mean, look, you, this is an, an excellent matchup. Super exciting. The best the best matchups are happening at 155. Gaethje's fighting smarter each time he gets into the cage these days, right? Since those two big losses to Poirier and Alvarez. And he admits it. He's been saying it for a while now. Went back to the drawing board. I'm being smarter. I'm not uh, throwing as many punches. I'm not eating as many punches. Like, people underestimate me. Like, I'm not a dumb guy. All that stuff. And it's true. He's showing it. But, you know, Donald Cerrone has a lot to prove. He had that weird end to his Ferguson match. I think they're both going to be swinging for sure. The question for me is whose punches are going to hurt more? Who has the better chin? I love both of these guys. And, uh, but I do think, I think there's a, there's an advantage there as far as literally like head size, Gaethje has the bigger head. And so I think, and we've seen him take some heck of a shots. I think he'll have the better chin. And, um, even though to me, Cerrone is the more mm, skilled fighter on the feet, you know, he throws more kicks. He has creative combinations. I think he might get overwhelmed by Gaethje's pressure. And, um, I hope because I love Cerrone so much, I don't want to see him get like knocked out or finished, but, but I think he will lose the fight. I think H is going to win. You know what, with this one, um, I think the forward pressure Gaethje, like you said, is really it. Um, when I break it down, Cerrone in the middle of the cage, um, if he starts putting it together, that's obviously where he's at his best. That's where his best opportunity to take him out. But if you ask me, I think that uh, we've seen Gaethje be able to, with you know, take that shot and keep coming forward. 
uh, Cowboys just really struggle with guys like that. Um, even uh, Tony Ferguson late, I mean, he was fighting great. And, you know, these guys who could just really come back at him, he's always struggled. Masvidal was another one. Um, so I think that that makes it tougher. I think that uh, Cowboy wins this if he puts it together strong. I mean, he, he's got to have a 10-8, 10-7 first round. Um, really slow down Gaethje. Maybe that helps out the cause, but every time I watch this, I see Gaethje chopping away with some kicks, push yeah. forward, and then, you know, all else fails, go to the wrestling, um, get him on his back, and just ground and pound to um, soften him up with some shots. So, very good fight. I want to see them throw down in the middle of the cage. That's going to be awesome. But I just see Gaethje outlasting Cowboy in each scenario. Um, I'm going to go... <sighs> I hate to do this to Cowboy because I feel like I always do, but I think Gaethje going to take him out. Um, I think that he gets the stoppage sometime in the third. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I wanted to say decision, but it's hard It's hard to really see it getting that far because you, know, you think about the Cowboy-Ferguson fight, and, and Cowboy was doing well at first, landing punches, but they were not affecting Ferguson at all. And I could see the same thing happening with Gaethje, where even if even if Cowboy puts together some nice stuff, especially if they're they're landing on the head, the face, it's not going to stop Gaethje. Body kicks might, but ultimately, I think Gaethje is going to going to start putting it on Cerrone, and I'm with you. I think probably finish him by the third. I could see that. Yeah, and it's you know. It's just a tough one. It, I mean, both of them really bring it. And I look, that, that one could go either way when you have two guys like that trading. But I think just a lot of people, they're believing in Gaethje right now. And for good reason. So, But it, it's another good one. It's another good fight. They got some more good stuff on the card. Glover Tashira, other fighters. So it's going to be some good stuff in Vancouver. Um, I haven't checked. Is that a middle of the day card or is that a Saturday night primetime? Uh, let's see. Because they're up against Tyson Fury coming back tomorrow night too, right? Yeah, Tyson yeah. Fury, they're both going to be on uh, ESPN. ESPN. Uh, looks like it's 5 p.m. Pacific for the main card, Cowboy Gaethje. Uh, so that's perfect because you got to think that um, if they end by 8-ish, Fury doesn't fight till about 8.30. Yeah, yeah. Which I... Yeah, in fact, now that you mentioned, I think I did see like an ad that was specifically saying like, "Watch Cowboys Throne and Gaethje at this time," and then Fury right after from ESPN. So yeah, yeah. Oh that's... yeah, we got the return of Todd Duffy. Yes, interesting. That's another good one. He's uh, I don't know what he's saying that MMA media. We're not mean, Todd. We're not trying to do that to you. Who's been Who's been mean to you, Todd? I'm sorry. Hasn't even been around for anyone to be mean to him. I mean, maybe that's why, but, you know, I read that and I was like, Todd, what, what is this? Todd, why? But, you know, look, I, I mean, fighters, they, it's not easy having a job in the public sphere. So uh, if he's feeling a certain way, I think it's with good reason. He doesn't say it just for the heck of it. I think he's had some experiences and that's unfortunate. And I'm really sorry, Todd. So I hope... That everyone's nice and promotes them just like they do everybody because these guys really do bring it. And, you know, we love it because it's uh, this is what fires us up. We're excited. This is our jam and we love to watch it. We love to talk about it. So definitely he has a point and I hope that some media members took notice. Uh, Natalie, next yeah. week, the featherweight division that we go down from Canada south all the way to Mexico. Yair Rodriguez finally comes back. Jeremy Stevens. Um, first thoughts on this fight before we end the show. Uh, yeah, this is going to be killer. So Rodriguez what, was, was the uh, Korean zombie his last fight? I mean, that was yep. a while ago, right? Yeah. So he was losing that fight handily. We know that. And that spectacular knockout. So I think in Mexico City, he's going to want to put on a great show. Jeremy Stevens has a little bit of redemption on his mind. And I think he'll come out swinging. So we're going to get a heck of a scrap for sure. Yeah, I think that uh, two strikers, I think um, personally there's pressure on Yair to uh, outdo Zabit's performance against Jeremy, which, uh, you know, we all know he's, they, that's a fight people want. You know, the if we have a BMF belt, belt we're going to have a ninja belt. So 
you know, and I think that's the two guys to fight for it, if I'm being honest. So I think that that's kind of the pressure that Yair is feeling, but good fight. And then if you're Jeremy, he knows what a win over Yair does for him too. So good stuff. They're going to stand and bang. Always fun. So it's going to be another good night in Mexico City. Natalie, there is so much to talk about. I am excited because we are getting closer and closer to LA at the Forum for Bellator. So I'm excited for that. Where can fans find you on social media to talk about all these fights coming up? Yeah, it's going to be an exciting end of the year for sure. I'm uh, at Twitter or yeah, on Twitter at Natalie's video underscore the straight is my website and uh, yeah, check it out. That's right, guys. And you can find me all the time at double G on TV. Just spell out the word double and we'll be back next week.